I'm Johnny Judley, the therapist in my pocket. I'm a spiritual seeker on a journey and an adventure. And I'm also a psychotherapist here in the UK. So I talk about spiritual things from the perspective of an awakening woman who happens to have a psychotherapist in her pocket. And I talk and share with spiritual seekers all over the world. I was also recently invited to write a book for Welbeck entitled You Can Remember Who You Were Before Life Made You Forget. It's available worldwide on Amazon and in large bookstores all over the world. If you find you enjoy my work, why not check it out? For now, welcome. It's so lovely to have your company here. Let's walk along together for a little while and share some thoughts together on our journey home. Of all the questions we humans ask, and we ask a lot, one of the most frequent is, how do I heal from this? I'm Jani Judley therapist in my pocket. I spend my days helping people to answer exactly that question and helping them to do just that. We all have parts that need to heal. It's part of what it is to be human. The parts of us that most need healing are the unloved bits, the unacknowledged bits, the pushed away bits. Shame and pain make us keep them at arm's length. But it's inviting those parts back in that actually frees us. In this series, I'm going to show you a little of how that process happens. Let's meet a woman we can call Georgie. This is the kind of pain that we all know but can hardly bear to acknowledge. We've all come close to drowning in it. It's messy and dirty and complicated. It goes way beyond simple pain, like when someone has said something cutting and we're stinging from the hurt of it, or where someone we love is in agony and it's tearing us apart too. The source of this kind of pain is harder to find and we avoid its truth. We often call it being stuck, but actually it's the pain of denial. Let me try to make it real. A client, a young woman, probably in her early thirties, is sitting opposite me in my therapy room. But he mustn't forget. I can't let him. I make sure he remembers. Every tenth of every month I remind him. I make sure he knows what he's done and what he's put me through. He must always know, always. He's the father of my baby and he must never forget. The young woman in front of me is utterly exhausted, drained from lack of sleep and wrung out from raw emotion. She's stuck. She goes round and round in ever-decreasing circles of impossibility and there's no way out. She can see no prospect of relief. She is stuck. She is in denial. She tells me she saw Mrs. Witch the other day, 
She says she came to collect the father of my baby from work. I notice that these people have no names. It's like a fairy story. A fairy tale, a myth. Not real. I acknowledge how raw it all feels. How enormous. How overwhelming. I say it sounds like these people are causing her a great deal of suffering. And then I acknowledge that there seems to be a baby in the middle of all this somewhere, and I wonder aloud about what might have happened. She looks up, startled. She tries several times to speak, and each time changes her mind. She tells me she doesn't know how to say it. She tells me she can't say it. She says that if she does say it, it will be true. I'm beginning to get a picture of how awful this must be for this young woman to need to control reality in this way. I can see that denial is playing a huge part in how she's coping with whatever has happened. I know I have to ask the question as gently as I can. What happened to your baby? I speak almost in a whisper. I can't find words to adequately describe to you the raw agony in her face as she looks into my eyes and holds my gaze. I feel her pain sear through my body, the heat of it, and for a moment the chaos of it plunges my brain into a place of such terror and darkness that I can't pull my thoughts together. This is what stuck feels like. But I have asked the question, and in the swirling storm that follows my asking it, she is reaching for an answer, a way to tell me. Her own voice is also a whisper, so quiet I have to strain to hear. She died. And then she finds the courage to repeat it. She died. We begin to talk little piece by little piece through her story. How she'd fallen in love with a colleague at work. How wonderful it had been. How they'd planned their future. How they'd planned to move in together. How they'd wanted to seal their love for each other with a baby. How wonderful it had been when she realised she was pregnant. How overjoyed he'd been when she'd told him. How they'd decided the baby would be a girl and laughed together as they chose names for her. And then, the day she'd looked out of an office window, in a room she'd never normally be in, down at the car park, and seen him, the father of my baby, with her, Mrs. Witch. She describes how her blood had run cold as she watched the father of her baby kiss this woman, down in the car park on the lips and then take the toddler she was holding from her, swing him up in the air laughing and kiss him again and again. She tells me how her legs had gone weak beneath her and she'd had to grab hold of the edge of the chair to stop herself from sinking to the ground as she reached out to feel for something to lean on and how she'd sat in a chair for two hours 
trying to take it in. The words came thick and fast as she describes the confrontation, the admission, the awful discovery that this woman was his wife and the toddler his son. Throughout it all, she refers to this man as the father of my baby and his wife as Mrs. Witch. She is working hard to keep him good and her bad. And through all this, I'm holding the reality I now know we must go to, because without it, this young woman will remain in this agony forever. The stuckness is about to give. I ask why the tenth of each month is so significant, why it is that this date must never be forgotten. She catches her breath, steadies herself, searches my face to see if she can trust me with it. Then she says, Because it's the day my baby died. And then, after a long silence, in which I hold the space sacred, and she makes her decision, she says the words she has been trying for two years, never to say, I killed her. And then she sobs. Finally, the denial is over, and at last she can begin to find her way through to relief. It's the place she's dreaded, but it's a better place, a place of release and the possibility of healing. And then, a momentous decision. She reaches out her hand and through tears whispers, Thank you. I take her hand and squeeze it. In that moment, there is no difference between us. And so begins for Georgie the long journey back to healing, working through her decisions, the termination, the grief, the guilt, the regret, the wishing, the actions that she knows she must spend a lifetime living with, but for which she must also forgive herself. We are all Georgie. We all know this place or a similar place. We are all on a journey of healing, forgiveness and compassion. And with the growth that comes from that, which is the true and permanent sign of healing. So what can we take from this? Stuck is always about denial. Denial is always about the fear of pain. And trying to avoid pain perpetuates pain. Relief comes when we move from denial to acknowledging reality. Relief and release is always healthier than staying stuck, and it begins the process of letting go and forgiving ourselves and each other. In this process lies our common humanity, and it requires that we meet it with compassion. True healing happens 
when we can hold sacred space for one another and it blesses us all. And so back to Georgie, who is not only Georgie, but who is also me and you and all of us. We all have secrets. We all struggle with pain and shame. We all have experiences or parts of ourselves, things we've done or not done and wish so badly that we could undo or wipe out. But of course, exactly like with Georgie, this is denial. These things did happen, or they are things we failed to do and wish we had done. And only by opening our arms to them and inviting them back in can we begin the journey that leads to healing. To heal, our first step always is to allow reality to replace denial. And the next is to hold space for all the emotions that allowing in that reality brings. And this sacred soul is our path and our destiny as spiritual beings on a human journey. May you find a way, brave soul, deepest bow and so much love. I'll be talking more about Georgie and about me and about you and about all of us in upcoming podcasts. You've been listening to Jani Judley, the therapist in my pocket. I'm a psychotherapist, energy worker, coach and author over here in the UK. You can find more of my podcasts by searching for Jani Judley, the therapist in my pocket on Spotify and iTunes. And you can connect with me on my Instagram feed at Jani Judley. For now, stay safe, stay blessed and keep on loving. And whatever you do, don't forget ever to enjoy the tea and cake. You've been listening to Jani Judley, the therapist in my pocket. I'm a spiritual seeker on a journey and an adventure, and I'm also a psychotherapist here in the UK. So I talk about spiritual things from the perspective of an awakening woman who happens to have a psychotherapist in her pocket. And I talk and share with spiritual seekers all over the world. You can get to know me better on my Instagram page at Jani Judley. You can also learn far more about me and connect with me directly on my website, thetherapistinmypocket.uk. You can get in touch directly on my Instagram page or via my website. And if you'd like to check out my book, you can remember who you were before life made you forget. You'll find it on Amazon and in all major bookstores worldwide. I'm told it's life-changing. For now, thank you for your company and for showing up. I look forward to talking with you soon. We're all in this together, just walking each other home. Big love.